Good morning, everyone. It's Saturday, 1030 a.m., and this is What's the Plan with Dan, Mark, and Paul. Today, uh, for those of you who want to set your watch, I believe the Western Flyer will be pulling into port this afternoon. I think there's a flotilla that's meeting out at mile marker one in the Monterey Bay of uh, local uh, sailors and you know that are in their their sailboats and they're going to meet the western flyer sometime around noon i think and I then they'll be coming into port 11 o'clock is that when their flotilla yeah, will be out there? An hour from from when we record this oh well so that you guys if you're out there listening to this podcast because i know you dutifully downloaded it before you sailed out there um uh, you'll be meeting the western flyer and the western flyer will be coming into port to a hero's welcome and uh that'll be fun i i'm not going to go over today to see it i think i'll wait a couple weeks until the uh the crowds die down. Dan, do you have any pl- plans to go see the famous boat that that, uh, that inspired the Sea of Cortez from Steinbeck's pen and uh, the famous Doc Ricketts and his? And actually, I think it caused a divorce. I think uh, Steinbeck brought his wife on the journey and divorced her afterwards. So, anyway, <laughs> any thoughts? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess my thought is don't go out and get a boat um, <laughs> if you want to stay married. The uh, yeah, I, I find it fascinating as to how all of this came about, what was put into it, you know, how many people contributed to it getting to this point. And I look forward to seeing it. I, I will go see it, but like you, Paul, I will not be there uh, today. <laughs> you know, I will not be there with the hordes and the masses to see it. Before we go to the peninsula today, though, I want to ask Mark a question. Well, you can come in on the Western Flyer if you want. I think it's going to be awesome. It'll be fun to see. And it, and it's a neat piece of history that – and even the story of how they reclaimed the boat um, oh. is is actually really cool. So those interested, go out there either this weekend or some sub- subsequent weekend and learn the story of of the of like what happened to the boat after the voyage. And, you know, it went on and did a bunch of stuff and how, it, how hard it was to get it back. But I do want to bring up a quick fact before we come to the peninsula about Salinas. Salinas, now, I don't know the methodology of this, this study, but Salinas was named the seventh most expensive place to live in the country, according <laughs> to the U.S. News and World Report. for 20- and, and it beat New York City, which was 11th place. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Did you guys read this? Maybe you didn't read it. Maybe it's no, I, fresh I did, news. I did see that. And um, it is seventh most expensive because it's based upon the delta between the price of housing and the median income, which is much wow. lower there than it is on the peninsula. So, you know, maybe a house is three hundred or 400000 more here than in a lot of parts of Salinas. But if the wages are double or triple here of over there, then you can see why it would be seventh most expensive place. We're not as expensive as Salinas because there's a, uh, there's a lot of people around here who've got, uh, as you know, who have the income that they can afford these mortgages. Not everybody, but I guess there's enough of them to make the numbers look the way they look. Well, to bring it back to the peninsula, and Dan knows this, is uh, what's funny about that is like if you look at the richest sections or the, the sections of Pacific Grove with the highest income, you're going to think, okay, it's Ocean Avenue, but it's not. It's uh, uh, what is that called? Del Monte Park? Is that right, uh, Dan? Is yeah. That, yeah. That's so, what this housing study just said. And yep. personally, I don't buy it. You know, you could say income possibly because you have so many retired people in the beach track. Mm-hmm. But and you have a lot of pe- new people and two two income homes and stuff coming into Del Monte Park. But Del Monte Park in the history of Pacific Grove 
has never been looked at being like the upper side. You know, it's always, though it's on the hill, it, it's the, you know, proverbial redheaded stepchild. You know, it's almost not part of Pacific Grove. It doesn't even have sidewalks by and large. You know, it's just the, it's the concept that that, that that, it's an old saying. Uh, what is it? Uh, statistics lie and liars use statistics. You know, yep. it's, it's figures it, lie and liars figure. Yeah. So you can basically come up with something that bolsters your position if you just use what I call selective information dissemination. You know, I just tell you the part that you you want to hear or that backs what I'm saying rather than what is the whole picture. Right. And it's done all the time in, in government and people, you know, climate change and stuff, it's done. You know, it's look at Al Gore's book, for goodness sake. How many errors are in that thing now that we're actually able to look? And no, and nobody, you know, what's funny is nobody goes back, you know, not about the pandemic. Nobody goes back and thinks, except for the cynics among us, and thinks, well, what did we do wrong in the pandemic? I mean, in fact, I think uh, Gavin Newsom, our illustrious governor, said the other day that, uh, that he uh, didn't lock down during the pandemic. He didn't. He didn't mandate any lockdown. He left it up to the local <laughs> governments. So apparently, he got hit by a brick on the yeah. end of that interview. But but uh, the uh, I do want to real quickly get back to the most expensive places to live in America for 2023 and 24 from the U.S. News and World Report. And I want to see if you guys notice any trends. Number one, San Diego, California. Number two, Los Angeles, California. Number three, Honolulu, Hawaii, Miami, Florida. Number, okay, so now we're on to, what are we on here? Number five, Santa Barbara, California. Number six, San Francisco, California. Yeah. And number seven, Salinas, California. So I think there's something to our anti-growth, like NIMBY. Oh, and then number eight is Santa Rosa, California, which that's down by San Luis Obispo, right? Yeah. And, no, uh, Santa Rosa's north Santa of San Francisco. Oh, north so of San Francisco. Yes. I'm thinking of Santa Maria. Yeah, right. Santa Rosa. Exactly. And then uh, number 10 is Vallejo in Fairfield, California, and uh, 11 is New York City, and then 12 is Boston, Massachusetts. But And these are all blue state areas because in between there, there's Hawaii and, you know, Miami, Florida, I guess, is the outlier there. But um, it's it really is like our local problem is really emblematic of all this stuff because everywhere where you're allowed to build and allowed to kind of like have natural growth – and build house or maybe build apartment buildings over five stories and stuff. Um, you tend not to have these problems. So anyway, just wanted to. Well, is it part of it too, bit. though? That you said you know blue states. The problem is that more government is good government for Democrats, mm-hmm. and um, and I and it's uh, the past uh, few council meetings I've been there uh, in Pacific Grove railing on the ridiculousness of the. Uh, pay raises and how much money is being paid and new positions being made so that the people we do have work less and get paid more. And nobody seems to care, including five out of the seven council people. Well, I famously, when in one of my uh, interviews with Wendy Rudescu, I said to her, I go, yeah, everybody's, you know, it's, it's the hiring's kind of tight. You know, well, it's difficult for employers to hire. And she goes, well, the county's hiring and we, we have all these vacant positions and we're hiring, hiring, hiring. And I go, and I said to her, I said, Wendy, this is a little bit of a non sequitur, but it's true. I go, if you ever think about it, there's two types of buildings that have 
a, an insane amount of square footage. Like they don't care how much square footage they have per employee. Like you walk into an insurance agency and people are stuffed into their like sardines in a can or, you know, you walk into, cause I've been to hundreds of businesses and you walk to most businesses, if it's not like a, you know, manufacturing floor where they need the space, people are crammed into these spaces, except for two types of businesses I found and they're government buildings and banks. And those are the only two buildings I've seen that they really just, uh, it's almost like they're drunk with square footage in these buildings. And, and her thing about the county is hiring because they're extracting money from people banks i i attribute it to banks because they own the buildings and then banking has gone online and they're stuck with these large buildings but but with the county i mean the, the to your point dan they just do not care how much money they spend the federal government's the same as well i mean obviously but well, and, and at the council meeting on wednesday night the mayor went on and on about how uh, the, everything's rising for employees. It's costing more and more for them, and we have to take care of them and make sure that they're covered. And, and I got up and I said, and so as our taxes keep going up, as that hat, the, okay, so the current raise for the 100 or so people that uh, work in Pacific Grove for the city, their raise basically wiped out the million dollars over the next three years, uh, wiped out the million dollars a year we're getting uh, with the half cent sales tax. So every time you go and you pay sales tax, you three years from now are basically just paying for the raise that those hundred employees got. So these people, they're, they're on meth because if you go to Costco right here in San, beautiful sand city, a, a rotisserie, chicken, rotisserie chicken's five dollars. If you go to a Costco in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah, a, a rotisserie chicken is five dollars. If you go to Dallas, anywhere in this great land, the rotisserie chicken's five dollars. And and it's true with the Kirkland granola bars or the or any you know sauces you want or anything you want. It's all the same price across this great nation of ours. So Costco. The difference, okay, well, you get to gas. Well, that's all because of California taxes. So you, now you've got power, water, property tax, and the cost of housing. Those are all directly, like there's a straight line between those costs and the government. And that those are the those are the only different costs in California than anywhere else. Because you do buy anything else. How much is an ironing board? Well, Christ, I'm buying it on Amazon. It's going to be the same for me as a guy living in Duluth. It doesn't matter. So, so people talk about the cost of living here. It, it's really attributable to, to like utility costs, gas costs, and then the cost of ownership, either through um, rental or property tax or oh, uh, property ownership. And the taxes you pay across the board, you know, I mean, your cell phones, your regular phones, your inter- all income, these facilities tax, got ridiculous yeah. amounts of taxes on them. Then you got your TAMC tax that's in, uh, you know, the transportation, area transportation tax that is uh, built into your sales tax, you know, your property tax, you just, you're taxed to death. It's like, what is it? I think it's about you work six months a year just to pay your taxes. I don't doubt it. And now Mark, I want to ask Mark, because Mark has a job. I don't know if he can say what job he has there, but you go into the homes of people and random people, like literally randomized people, do you find any common thread between all of them, the rich, the poor, the whatever, the people that you meet throughout the county? Well, I don't typically talk about taxes, you know, with people. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't come up. So um, I would say that uh, probably most people do complain about the cost of living. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they what do. do you, so, did you ever have like informal conversations, just chit chat with these? people? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, cost of uh, transportation, fuels, cost of energy mm-hmm. is a real concern for people, and you see that across the board. I mean, for some people, it's an inconvenience. For a number of people, it's like they're going to choose between food and um, their PG and E bill, or or you know, food and gasoline for their car to get to work. Yeah, yeah, it's a, and and you know it is it's just a shame. But anyway, but let's, but let's, let's make sure. But see, the point here is to me the this is really a a thing that I'm not letting go is that the the employees. You know, when when I was brought up, Mark's about my same age. Paul's a little bit younger. Uh, that uh, you jobs in the uh, public sector were uh, strong jobs. You got a job as a teacher, policeman, whatever, you were set for life. You know, you were going to have that job as long as you wanted it. But it didn't pay that much. Now it's just the opposite. If you don't have a government job, you're out there scrambling. As I brought up, everybody's, oh, you know, employees are paying 7% towards their, their pensions. Well, if you're in the private sector, you're paying 15% of your income to, to social security. You know, it's just this concept that they're underpaid, underworked. Uh, we need, we won't be able to hold on to them. You know, they're so wonderful and we so need them. You don't hold on to them anyway, because for whatever reason they leave because of family circumstances, whatever, uh, or they can find a job because some other city just raised what they're paying because they're able to. I mean, if you're working here and you end up in Monterey, you're getting paid more money usually. Um, you know, the only people in Pacific Grove that get more than than others are teachers. Teachers in Pacific Grove are about 30%, paid about 30% more than teachers in Monterey. It's, it's outrageous. And they still want raises, though. This this greed amongst uh, public workers uh, is just absolutely incredible. They and they have no relation to the real world and the rest of us. Mm-hmm. So it's brought up at the meeting Wednesday night that twenty seven percent of the people that live in Pacific Grove make less than fifty grand a year. Okay, um, what was the percentage? Twenty seven percent. Okay. Make- Less than 50 grand a year. I can guarantee you there is not a regularly employed with benefits Pacific Grove City employee that makes less than that. They're not among that 27%. So because they just just made, uh, and I think I might have said this last time, but for those that didn't hear this last time, I think it's kind of important. We used to have a, a, a city clerk years ago, wonderful lady named Carol Sims. Carol took care of all the city clerk duties and the cemetery by herself. Okay. We now have, with nothing really changing, we now have, uh, well, first we got a, a part-time cemetery person. Then we got a uh, assistant city clerk. Now they're hiring a full-time person to take care of records for the cemetery. So you want to buy a plot, you got to have someone buried. They sit there, hold your hand and says, how many people die in Pacific Grove and are buried in Pacific Grove in a given week? Not very I, I think for, for capital, we're probably higher than normal, but yeah. Yeah, but now we're, yeah, so we have what, two a week? 
So is now this... we have three people doing the same job that one person did by themselves about 15 years ago. And well, they're paid ridiculously. Our city clerk is paid over 30% more than the city clerk in Carmel or Seaside. Well, they, how much is, how much is our interim? It's called a management analyst. So they can be paid more than just an assistant city clerk. And so that it doesn't look like we got an assistant city well, clerk. How much, I got to ask you, Dan, how much is our interim city manager being paid? <laughs> because that's about 103, 103 bucks an hour. I think it comes out. They figured on a yearly basis, it's about 215 grand. But we have an interim city clerk. Uh, because ours is out, I, hopefully she's coming back, but uh, we don't know why she's out. But uh, th that interim city clerk who wasn't even at the council meeting Wednesday night, so there were all kinds of problems for, because she wasn't there. Uh, she's being paid the equivalent of 150 grand a year, and she didn't even show up to an important thing and maybe she had a good reason i don't she's know a clerk, a clerk getting paid city clerk who takes the records does the vote you know the votes you know minutes does, does she supervise the anybody the assistant city clerk oh my goodness yeah that's a and good job Mark. Mark, i think that's a job you we might want to take right but i gotta but I gotta say, you know how we were just saying uh, before we went off on that rant uh, about uh, PG money, is we were talking about like how government is basically California government is clearly the reason it's it's expensive to live here, and you know in the mortal words of, of Christopher Walken, what do we want to do to solve the problem? More cowbell. We just need constantly more cowbell, which is equivalent <laughs> to more government. So what are they doing in Monterey? They're they're uh, they've okayed the. Final okay for the rental registry, which will lead to uh, probably rent controls, which have been completely for 50 years. It's established economic data that they does not work. And I don't know why we want to go down this dumbass road. Uh, Mark, please talk to me. Talk to, <laughs> explain it away to me. <laughs> explain this to me. <laughs> These things are almost inexplicable. You know, I mean, it, it, you just follow the money on all this stuff, right? And, and and I just wanted to circle back to what Dan was talking about, how that million dollars a year generated by the half-cent sales tax increase is now gone because of these raises. And this is the fundamental problem because every time they get more revenue and you think, okay, well, now we're going to be able to pay down our CalPERS debt. Now we're going to be able to take care of some other issues that we have, backfill some uh, you know, lack of uh, maintenance infrastructure issues. What ends up happening is the um, collective bargaining groups, the the employees come out, unions, put their hand out. Yeah, they come yeah. and they say, "Hey, you've got more money. We want some of it, or we're going to go on strike." And well, Mark, and can, can I ask you, you to make a prediction? Fix, then you can never fix these problems. So, so you know, oh, they're they're, they're going to get the new hotel built across from the okay. library, yeah. right? And then they may end up with a hotel where the American Tin Cannery is, but. I mean, almost in a way, kind of, so what? Because there's nobody on the city council or in the city manager's office that is willing to say to the employee groups, you can't have any more. Well, you know what, Mark? I was going to, that's exactly what I was going to do. I was going to ask you to make a prediction, a bold, unsubstantiated prediction about what will they do with the extra tax money. And here's my bold, unsubstantiated prediction, Mark, is that 
we're going to have our own fire department. We're going to get away from Monterey Fire, no. and we're going to that firehouse that's up there by the city hall. We're going to take on our own firefighters and all the Calper debt because of that, and that's what we're going to do. I know. What do you think? I, I just think they're going to keep giving raises that they can't afford. You know, and then they say, "Well, why? You know, why spend any money on a facility or reestablishing it when um, you know?" Because the employee groups will just come back around and they'll just say, "No, no, no! Don't spend the money on on reestablishing our own fire department. Just give us the money directly." Yeah. And the that- thing is, if we reestablish the fire department, because I've reeled on this since they went over there, bad deal all the way around. Uh, with Monterey, where we got still got to buy our own engines. Uh, we still got to pay the, you know, a, you know, a percentage of their costs and stuff. It, it doesn't matter whether we have it or not. The concept that we're saving money on calipers is totally uh, out there. It, it it just isn't. It doesn't exist. We're paying Rob, the proverbial Robin P, uh, Peter to pay Paul. We do the same thing with the museum. Museum we, when we went in the agreement. Uh, for it to be taken over, uh, it was after a few years, we were supposed to be putting no money into it. Every year we're putting more money into it and we still take care of the building and we still take care of the grounds and we still take care of janitorial and they have like 12 employees there, whereas they used to have three employees. So you know? you're on you're on Mark's side. You think we're just going to squander it? Oh, on. yeah. No, well, understand something else. And I said this recently at a council meeting, trying to convince them of anything uh, because they they don't listen to the public, pure and simple. The if you uh, go into this with the thought that the, it's kind of like the marijuana thing, remember when everybody oh marijuana, you know we're going to make a fortune. The county it says they have said this is not my figures. They are losing $3 million a year because of marijuana. Their needs for enforcement, for regulation, for everything they've got to do. And, of course, all the growers and stuff, once things got going, there's still a black market out there and that's competing with them. A bunch of them have already gone out of business. And they say, we're all going to go out of business if you don't lower the taxes. So they've lowered the taxes. Now they're... We're coming to Pacific Grove, and we're supposed to get three hundred grand. And my guess is, if we get half that in taxes, I'll be amazed. And a bunch of that's going to go. Not, we're not going to get regulation. We're not actually going to do that, are we? I, th- I didn't think that. Oh no, it's been okay. They're, they're, uh-huh. And the funny thing is, everybody, everybody's. Oh, you know, you got these buffer zones around the place. You know, it won't be near a a school or anything else. What they don't say is, it's legal to deliver. Hey, I was, there's no buffer zones, but gotta, hey, we're going to make 300 grand. So let's do that. No matter what the police chief says, the school superintendents, doctors with experience in it, looking at what's happening in other states. You know, let's just as a city say, you know, we want to make some money off of this. But when you look at that hotel, tell me where the people are going to come from that are going to increase our tax base. Because my theory is, it's going to be people that are already staying in Pacific Grove that aren't going to be staying in Pacific Grove anymore. And the percentage of of room stays at, at or the number of room stays at the Silomar and stuff are all going to go down. And it's going to not be a really a win-win situation. So you, you don't we- think 
this is going to make the pie bigger. You don't nope. think so, huh? Nope. Well, I got to ask you a question, Dan. So suppose suppose you're wrong about that, and uh, this doesn't. I'm increase. not ever wrong. Just remember, you're never that. okay. But if you are wrong about this one thing <laughs> for the first time ever, and it does increase tax revenue, is there a way that you could put a measure on the ballot? Let's call it Measure S, where all the extra money uh, you would create some baseline budget and all the extra money has to go to like streets, sidewalks. I mean, God knows we could use some sidewalks in this town uh, and maybe, you know, like streets, sidewalks and uh, sewer. I don't know, but you know, some, some kind of like public works investment to make the town a little nicer, particularly above lighthouse. Uh, Cause I mean, we get, we're, we're lousy with investments when you go lighthouse to the ocean because that's the touristy areas. But, you know, like on your Gibsons and your Sinexes, you know, you could use some sidewalks and things. Is there any way you could pass a measure or craft a measure that says, hey, any increase over, you know, you can inflate your budget 3% a year, but any increase over that has to go to, you know, these other things. I don't know. What do you think? And not going to happen, just like the half sale, sales tax. Oh, it's going to go to recreation. It's going to make the city so much better and beautiful. And we're, you know, we really need this to make sure that we stay uh, growing and prosperous and a wonderful place to live. And then we give it all, as I said at the time, was going to happen. It's all given and raises to city employees. Well, Otherwise, where does that money come from? Have you said this in front of the city council at the city council meeting? Oh, multiple times. Okay. Multiple times. And what do they I say? Do they ever address it? Wednesday night because there were three different things that had to do with the employee uh, raises and getting more money. And, and they- we have in Pacific Road what they call a staffocracy which is the staff decides more than the city council. Well, that's true. That's true at the federal government too. I mean, you've seen. Yeah, like, but yeah. here you would think we'd have some control over it, but no, we have a council that by and large, uh, uh, Coletti and uh, Debbie Beck were the only ones that stood up and said, Hey, this is ridiculous. We don't have the money to give for this. We're overpaying people and we don't have to pay this much to get it. And as I said, uh, how about instead of sitting there saying, oh, what a wonderful job everybody does when they're being paid incredibly well to do it. We start saying, how about you get a bonus if you have a master's degree how- instead of getting a bonus. Everybody that speaks Spanish now that works for the city of Pacific Road gets 200 bucks more a month. Hey, uh, Dan, a year Dan I want to ask you to Spanish. do something that most law students have to do. So suppose you're Chaps or Bill Peak and what would be the arguments that they would forward? So, so they've just listened to Dan Miller give this this beautifully articulate diatribe about how every penny that we're getting in sales tax is going right into the pocket of I don't know the city planner's office, so that we can hire the best city planners in the world. What would Bill Peak say? Like, pretend you're Bill Peak, and don't be don't inject any Dan Miller editorials in this. I want to hear what Bill Peak or Chaps would say in uh, in response to uh, Dan Miller. Well, I, I know exactly what they'd say because they said it the other night. Uh, Chaps Paduri basically said nothing. And Bill <laughs> Peek went on a whole diatribe about how all the expensive for uh, expenses for our employees are going up, to which I got up and said, excuse me, Mayor, but all of our expenses are going up in order to pay for these employee raises. Our sales tax went up. 
by our. Uh, so you went back into Dan Miller mode. I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear Mr. Bill Peak. You know what he would say. But uh, Mark, can you? Well, be Bill I told Peek? you what Bill he said. <laughs> that, I just said in a sentence a, or a couple of sentences. What just, his argument was, and it's not an argument. It holds no water. He's not looking at, and he never had. Speaking of water, let me give you an example of what these <laughs> do. So we have the small water project, right down mm -hmm. at. The golf course, right? The old yeah. cycle. Okay. So when yeah. I was on council, and this is really important, I know, and you know, I'm dominating the discussion here, but this is really important. Mm -hmm. So, because other cities too, if you know, who live in. Let, let me, let me, for those who are out. listening, that are dozens of listeners, let me tell you, Dan Miller, not a fan of the recycled water project. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> so, when I was on the council, I voted against it. I think I was the only one that voted against it. I know I was the only one that voted against it. And I, at that time, we had this guy, Breeziak and Associates, run from that guy if your city ever wants to hire him. <laughs> a million bucks, this guy was paid in consultant fees. And when he was at 600000 I said, sitting on the city council, Excuse me, but every figure you're bringing to us is not based on any fact. You have never done a project like this ever before, and I'm willing to wager you right now that these are fallacious figures that you're using to to you know pad the statistics so it looks like this project's good and to make more money. And now so when I was on the council, I said, among other things, we need to make sure the golf course is at least paying our what it costs us on debt service and to operate the water project. Because the water project was basically for the golf course in the cemetery. So we put some things in that, oh, it costs this much, and so you're going to have to pay us this much uh, as a maximum, though. You know, anything over that we'll take care of. Well, guess what? First of all, taking care of it now costs more money. St there's stuff there that our expert at a million bucks never came up with. And we are now, it's now costing us more to produce a gallon of non-potable water out of this project than it is to get potable water to water our fairways and stuff from Calam. So, and now the golf course people are saying, well, it's kicking in now. We're hitting our maximum. So City of Pacific Grove, you got to pay everything above that. And so the city of Pacific Grove now, because of that small water project, is subsidizing it by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Why don't so they raise, why don't they raise the, 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 uh, the city manager didn't do it. The head of public works that now is the deputy uh, city uh, manager with no degree. He's got a degree in recreation, for God's sake. Uh, and it's supposed to have one in engineering to even have the job. But no, we don't follow the city charter and stuff in this town. So uh, so Dan Miller, the only person that said, so Dan Miller is now the only person, uh, along with a guy named Andy Kubica, actually got up at the meeting and said their figures were all untoward as far as uh, what it was going to cost. And But there again, and I told him the other night, you're not listening again. You're not listening again. It's I'm the canary in the coal mine. I'm the guy that's standing outside looking at this, actually spending time on figuring it out and not listening to staff who there's no master's degree. Our HR person doesn't have some kind of incredible breadth of knowledge about anything. It's just a fiasco. And people that aren't getting involved, Something's going to happen in your neighborhood, and you're going to start bitching about it. 
And it's because you took too long to get involved and pay attention to what's going on. So, Mark, what I'm hearing is they should raise the, raise the green fees, but uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that. <laughs> Look at that. So, I don't know, Mark, You give me a pet project that or pet article or something you're, that's bothering you this week. We well, want to hear it's, it's not that it's bothering me. It's just I find this really curious. I'm looking at the front page of the Pinecone. One of the big stories is, um, well, actually, it's just a photo. And then there's a story inside. Light poles going up at Carmel High School football field. So this has been, as, of course, everything would be in Carmel, a huge uh, controversy about having a, a lighted field at Carmel High School so they can have Friday night games instead of Saturday afternoon. And they have lights for other activities, soccer games and, and so forth. And, of course, there are a number of people who live adjacent to the school who believe that the absolute ruin of Carmel will be if the high school is allowed to have lights on their football field. And so they, you know, their lawsuits have been threatened. People have been filing uh, claims against this is saying it needs to meet, you know, you need the big EIR, CEQA, blah, blah, blah. Well, this thing is not decided in court yet. And the Carmel Unified School District has just basically said, well, screw it. We're putting the light poles up now. So they're going to be four poles that were put up. Uh, don't know if they're going to attach the light standards to them or wire them. but Well, it looks like from the picture there's lights in there, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. so maybe they are putting the light standards on it. But it'll be interesting to see where this goes because that's got to really be – boy, talk about poking the bear with a stick. Um, but at the oh, same time, you know I think how much it costs? The, the school yeah. is correct about this. Uh, they, they've done voluminous studies on this just like Monterey Unified School District has done – Voluminous studies on putting lights at their football field up in that neighborhood, and the same type of people are trying to stop that. That are trying to stop these lights in Carmel. So yeah, I guess well, the only thing a I million say dollars. Is, yeah. It's a million dollar bet, yeah. though. That's, yeah. That'll be kind of interesting to yeah. see. The only thing I can say about this is, you know, they should have done it forty or fifty years ago when nobody cared, and. Or, <laughs> Or they could do, you know what I think is genius? And th this is like, a, this. you want to talk an F you to the uh, environmental people? They should do what Stevenson does. And they have light plants, <laughs> which are diesel generators. <laughs> so, well, so Monterey High does do that. But the problem with those is the light standards aren't very high. And so yeah. if you've, you've ever been there for a nighttime game, they kick the ball like on a punt. Ball goes up above the, <laughs> ball goes above the lights and the poor kid can't see it. You know, till it comes out of the light, it's it's really miserable. But when you want to talk about what's bad for the environment, there's like these little miniature diesel generators powering a light, right? You know, and like got ten of them around the field, and it's it's kind of a crack up. But yeah, I well, I don't know, PG, I don't understand people. Pacific yeah. Grove, I mean, they put their lights up back in the early mid '80s, before mm -hmm. this became a big deal. I I would bet you that if Pacific Grove tried to put lights up today. You'd have a group of people who live around PG High School that would be at the at the school board meetings and the city council meetings with with torches and pitchforks to stop it. Well, actually, those have been up since the '60s in PG. But you know what? There aren't very many uh, immediate neighbors to the PG High field. That's and, true. Yeah. And so, and some of them just absolutely love it. I know a few of them, and they just 
love it. Well, yeah, because the noise and it's kind of it's kind of cool at night and, when you, when you you're in that, that area. Put, the, in, yeah. put in pickleball and they might be complaining. Right. But oh, still. whoa, yeah, we don't want that. But you know what's <laughs> funny about it? I just thought of this now that I'm thinking about it. You know how you were mentioning CEQA and all these environmental rules. It's like nobody nobody cares when you put down a giant mat of plastic for them to play uh, football on. You know, oh, well, so actually, you can have those giant. You know what? They did? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the field turf, you know, the artificial turf. The artificial turf, because it's like, oh, you're affecting that the habitat of like the, such and such a beetle or such and such a worm. Yeah, because they live in football fields. Well, so someone did, did get no, upset there, about there, that? No, there is a movement afoot to oh, ban no. uh, oh, artificial boy. playing surfaces <laughs> at public oh, schools God. and universities in California. They're concerned about ostensibly about health concerns they say that uh, the chemicals that are used in making the fake grass are uh, dangerous for the human body and continued exposure to it can cause cancers so we may end up uh, seeing a move back to you know grass fields at many of these places because which uh, are kind of worse for the environment in a lot of ways because of the water and the you know upkeep and stuff yeah kind of like a golf course but you know what cracks me up about like when you want to talk about people running headlong into a brick wall with their own stupidity. The electrification movement, I feel like is as a civil engineer and a structural engineer, is uh there, you know, this anti-natural gas thing. Like, you know, first we we focus on stoves and stuff. But do you know what it takes to electrify a industrial boiler? So if you're using hydronic heat in a building, you know, to heat the space, or if you're just using a boil a large boiler for like a hotel to heat the showers and stuff. Electric heat, like heating that water with electric, is massively less efficient than using, uh, you know, natural gas. And so these, and and also, by the way, what does it do to your electric grid? You think a couple Teslas on your street are going to screw up the electric grid? Imagine trying to run all of PG's heat stoves and uh, hot water heaters all on electric. I mean, you're going to need the, the the transformers and the feeders. I mean, this place is going to look like a like Boston during the big dig trying to re reinvent the entire electrical grid in this in the city and and people have no appreciation for that. Whereas the the natural gas infrastructure is already in there's way more power in that natural gas and it it drives me up a wall, but I I see it in my uh, my professional life a little bit and uh, I just it infuriates me that that these people, oh, well, if we can just electrify everything magically, you, you know, uh, unicorn farts or something is going to come out the other end and bring the electricity to PG or wherever. And they, they, they forget that, oh, you're going to have to burn coal and natural gas over there at Moss Landing to make the electricity, and no one wants nuclear power. And so I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand. It's and, and I feel like I'm up against a straw man because I can't find these people. Like, it's these things are – there's policies that are getting introduced all over the place about these things, and, and there's no – there's no real face behind it. There's no one really to argue about because like you talk to any environmentalist about this stuff and they fold like a lawn chair. Anyway, go ahead. Apologize. That was a long term. That was a, that was a, that was a diatribe about basically nothing but electrification and how much it pisses me off uh, coming off of uh, this. But what you're saying is people don't know where electrical comes from. And, they don't. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, it just comes out of the sky, you know, or it's all that we're going to have solar. How much solar do you have to have? Or hydropower to to provide all the electricity. I have a fun statistic for you, Dan. And this also pisses me off because everybody talks about solar and wind, right? Do you understand America, when we were energy independent, clo- uh, produced close to 50% of the world's petroleum products and petroleum, well, actually crude oil, I guess. Um, 
And you know where 70, over 70% of the constituent parts of solar panels and wind turbines are made? In freaking China. So, yeah, like, what, so what are we going to just turn it over to China? Anyway, let's talk about local news. I could go on that uh, about that all, all all day long. What else in PG is bothering you? Chomp uh, uh, requiring masks. What's what's bothering you this week, uh, Dan? Besides what you've already well, mentioned. Well, you know what? I'm not a medical professional, and hopefully, I don't have to go to Trump anytime soon. So it is what it is. I refuse to to go back to masks. The how that's impacted. Uh, schools and everything else, the sky is falling attitude. But again, it's their facility, their rules, you know, they can do whatever the heck they want. I don't have a problem with it. It's nice to get a heads up before you go into a doctor's or dentist's office so that you know to wear a mask or bring one. I don't even have any anymore. You know, I was over it. And so, and I'm sure most people are, you go to council meeting and there were a couple of people the other night that were wearing them, but Nobody else. Go to the store, you see maybe one person. You go to Costco, maybe one person. You know, it's like, you know, people are done with it. But people, someone said the other night at uh, the council meeting that Alan Hoffa, who's a council person in Monterey, and again, this was said, I'm, you know, not passing rumors or whatever, said in a public meeting, that he'd uh, he'd just spent a week in the hospital with COVID. So, um, and I don't think the, it was a person named COVID. I think it actually was, uh, he had the illness. So it's still out there. It's still running around, but, um, I refuse to let it rule my life. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I don't know. That's kind of, it's insane. I do want to harken back totally off the subject. Uh, you know, I do, I do appreciate COVID, but I wanted to say horror 101 is a truly awful movie. And, um, <laughs> And it is I free. You. I <laughs> you. It is free on uh it's free on Tubi. Uh it's like TUBITV.com. Just go TUI or look at last week's uh, show notes. It's got a direct link or TUI or TUBITV.com and search for horror 101. And you can see uh right at the end of the movie, uh our own Dan Miller has a cameo in it, but it was unclear to me. So so the murderer or the or the the guys, he locks everybody in the freezers at the end. I don't want to spoiler alert if you haven't yeah, seen it. I feel like anybody's going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they lock him in the freezer at the end. And then you and this other guy, like, push. What are you put? Are you pushing that freezer into, like, a the back of a semi-truck at the end? What's mm-hmm. what's going on? I didn't Maybe understand. That's what, what it is. It's kind okay. of like a Solian green moment, you know? Okay. So you guys are, you push the, uh, but the, I got to say, the script was magnificent. I think the writing was beautiful. <laughs> so Dan, did uh, did Bob Wilkins ever, you know, show this film on Creature well, Features? He was off. I oh, think. so maybe John Stanley did. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I, I don't represent it to be anything more than a piece of garbage. Well, but, you know, no, they, no, the that's what is- they specialized in. See, Paul, you you didn't live here, or grow up around here, but there was a TV show on Saturday nights out of the Bay Area called Creature Features where. They specialized in finding the worst horror films and then airing them. And the guy who was the original host of the show, he would sometimes introduce the movie and say, uh, don't stay up late to watch this one. It's not worth it. And then they'd roll the film. <laughs> but there's, yeah, I got to say, uh, Dan, you bring joy to my heart because there's a certain kind of deranged lunatic like myself who actually kind of enjoys it because it's so freaking bad like actually the writing wasn't that bad i'll, I'll be honest because dan did the oh, writing the writing you. wasn't wasn't awful and the plot wasn't 
wasn't horrendous. It was more about like you, you guys just didn't stick the landing, or you yeah. didn't like. It was something in the middle there that you, you didn't do quite right. But it was awesome. I've got I got one last thing I, to, that I want oh, to mention. Ahead, local sorry. local Monterey news that I want to get Dan's reaction to since you've been in the you know uh, club business. Um, I saw an item in the weekly that uh, a fella has has been given the green light by the city of Monterey to open a disco in downtown Monterey oh, on yeah, Tyler yeah, Street. That. Now, this is going to be that, yeah. in the space. Dan, if you remember Fanny's Bar, which was on Tyler. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, sure. so that's going to be a, um, a business called the Compact Disco. And I got to say, I've been in that place. I remember when it was Fanny's, and I used to go in there. And that's a very really sm- that's a very very <laughs> small place. So it'll be interesting to see how this works out. But I just contrast that with, um, you know, the fact that this guy's able to do this in Monterey and yet in Pacific Grove. Um, we know the story of the lady who's trying to have a live music venue downtown and running into a lot of brick walls. Yeah, she's been okay now. Okay. But uh, so, so her thing's going to happen. And he, I believe, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe he's he got the same kind of license that she did, which is uh, a music venue license, right. which is a new thing that costs a whole lot less than a regular liquor license. But uh, so you're able to get, you know, 20 grand, get a license. And if you've got a place that's already set up with the, all the plumbing and everything, you're in there pretty cheap. Um, so it's interesting because Monterey had a movement for the past 15, 20 years of uh, trying to get rid of places. And one of the reasons is everybody would let out at two o'clock in the morning. And now you have cops spread all over town because you had Cannery Row, you had Alvarado Street, you had uh, you know stuff out on Fremont, and it got they got down to where there was a couple places on on Cannery Row, and that's pretty much all. Now they've got this, and they're starting to be spread thin again. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna haven't been there and done that. I'm not gonna badmouth it. Hopefully, he knows what he's doing. The uh, planning commission said, "Oh, it you know opens up uh, things for visitors and residents alike to do, and can't see there being any problems." And it's like, well, you haven't been around nightclubs then, if you can't see any problems, you know, once you start having alcohol, once you have, you know, don't let in people of a certain age, et cetera, et cetera, you know, or people come in. I just hope he knows what he's doing. I know he right. did it for a while before. But the worst thing that happens is people that don't know what the heck they're doing uh, as far as security and stuff, and they don't get somebody that knows to consult with them and train people. And it's not about being a big guy or having a black belt or something. It's about having common sense and how to right. deal with people. Hey, guys, um, I, uh, I've i got a guy who is um, ringing in right now because I've got <laughs> I've got to test some equipment with him. So I'm going to have to wrap it up here. Oh, dang it. I was going to, you know, I was going to say real quick, Dan, Horror 101, you know, the, the fact that you use sideburns and, and a uh, earring as as just like a shortcut for the bad guy, you couldn't pull that off anymore. You like need a neck tattoo now. And a lot of a lot of attractive young uh, co-eds in that movie. I think overall, I'm going to give it like an eight out of a 10. You know, if you're going to a campy, you're going to get a campy horror movie. I'm going eight out of 10. I mean, I'm telling you, it's it's worth a watch. Having known Dan Miller and then seeing the movie, it says something about Dan, I think. Uh, it really, you know, I feel like I know Dan a little bit more now. Anyway, Mark, I'm sorry about the dude at your door. 
more and I understand that we have to go, but uh, it was a, yeah, always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And until next time you've been listening to what's the plan, go to what's the plan.com to hear more or go to the show notes to find out where to find horror one Oh one on Tubi TV. Yeah. You can see, Dan, we got to see some more of your movies too. Leaving Tubi. Yeah. And next time we'll talk about the club, the, uh, the, the bar that's going across from PG market. But uh, for mm -hmm. now, what's the plan Monterey.com. Thanks guys. Thank you.